illusionists are exceptional at sleight of hand tricks. They often leave their audiences open-jawed and scratching their heads, wondering, how did they do that? And that's the point. The illusionist knows something that we don't know, and they use a certain amount of skill and deception to steer our minds in the directions where they want us to go. The best ones are skilled enough to make even the skeptic question their doubts. At the last flag convention a few years ago, there was an illusionist there that had all 1,800 of us wrapped around his hands. We were watching in awe, and he ended with something crazy that left us all speechless. And the whole time, I was trying to figure out how did he do this, trying to figure out his angle or his special trick, and I got nothing, which isn't saying a lot, but I got nothing. I walked in as a skeptic, and I walked out still suspicious, but amazed at his abilities. Sometimes it takes more than just seeing to believe something. If you're generally a trusting person, seeing might be enough. And if you're a gullible person, then just saying, hearing something might be enough for you. But if you're a skeptic, though, seeing something or just hearing something might not make you believe it. Even experience isn't always enough to make you budge in your convictions. We need something more substantial. We need something that won't change or shift. We want something more. We need something more. And that's the direction we're going to be taking this morning as we open up God's Word together. I invite you to open again your Bibles to Matthew 28 as I read verses 1 through 8. And as we read this account, I invite you to look and pay attention here to the foundation for faith. Look at the foundation of faith here revealed for us in Matthew chapter 28. And again, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word if you're able to. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 1. Again, reading in Jesus' name. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Father God, these are your words and your word is truth. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, open up our hearts, open up our ears to receive the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's a normal day. The Roman guard started another day of exciting work. This day, they're standing guarding a sealed tomb from potential grave robbers. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of excitement for your job description for the day, but that's what they're doing. Supposedly, there was a group of people who were going to try to steal this corpse and try to come up with some kind of conspiracy theory about a resurrection. And so the guard was posted to guard that grave with their lives. The guard was faithful to their post. They knew the consequences that would come if they failed to keep their objective. 
Whether or not they believed the threat was real, they had a duty, and they knew their duty, and they sought to fulfill it. I suppose there might be some similarities here that we can see from guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. The sentinels, rain or shine, will guard the tomb as it's their solemn duty. And no matter how many hecklers come and try to heckle them, or even the queen's guard, they remain unfazed. They're sticking to their duty. On this particular day, it wasn't a bunch of tourists that came to mess with the guard. They're visited by something else. Something supernatural happened. There's another earthquake, Matthew says in verse 2. And this earthquake is intriguing. If you're reading through the book of Matthew, you realize there's another earthquake. One just happened a few days before in Matthew 27, 51. Matthew says this, The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. This earthquake happened as Christ breathed his last on the cross, and people knew it. Even the centurions guarding Jesus on the cross were frightened, and they knew what it meant. They knew that something not normal happened here. And they said to themselves, Truly, this was the Son of God might be standing around asking themselves, oh no, what have we just done? As the earth quaked, they began to question everything. They knew that this wasn't normal. They knew that this was the Son of God. And as if the earthquake that happened this Easter morning wasn't enough to make the guards tremble, here comes a heavenly visitor, an angel of the Lord who rolls away the stone and sits on it. And the guards are terrified. Matthew says that they became like dead men. Some people take this to believe that they lost consciousness. They were unconscious. Or others say they were scared stiff, yet fully aware of what's happening around them. Either way, no one would have wanted to be one of those guards that day. The angel is described as being radiantly clothed, as brilliant as lightning and as white as snow. The guards shook. It's all they could do. Here are these war-hardened guards guarding this tomb, and they see something that just causes them to shake and tremble and not be able to do anything. They're completely powerless to do their duty. Meanwhile, the story continues to unfold. The angel speaks to the women and offers these women a word of comfort. Here you got Roman soldiers who are part of the cream of the crop, the hardest of the hard, and they're trembling. And then you got these women who aren't trembling anymore. The angel gives them a word of comfort and says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. The angel recognizes more than the simple fact that Christ historically was crucified, but that his crucifixion still stands. It's a historical event. It has happened and it has effects for us today. In other words, his resurrection doesn't undo the fact that he was crucified. It doesn't undo what his crucifixion accomplished. Our sin is paid for. He is still the crucified Savior. However, he's more than that. And the angel continues. He says, he is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come, see the place where he was lying. Mark records the women as being in the tomb when the angel interacts with them. They see its emptiness. There is no corpse there. There is no body. There's no body there because he is risen. Which again means that we are no longer in our sin. And then the women are given a job to do. 
instructions of utmost importance. The angel tells them this, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. The women are to tell this cowering disciples that Jesus is no longer dead. They're, telling the, they're to go tell these disciples, get out of your hiding place and you will see Jesus in Galilee. And the women run to report this good news to the disciples and then head to Galilee. There they will see their crucified and risen Savior. They're filled with both fear and joy and they flee to tell the disciples. But while they're on their way, they're interrupted. Don't you just hate it when you're doing something important and someone comes and interrupts you? Well, these women didn't really hate it. This was the best kind of interruption that anyone could ever imagine. They didn't have to make it all the way to Galilee to see Jesus. Jesus comes and meets them. He meets these women. They take hold of his feet and they worship him. They're crucified and risen Savior. It's really him. It's really Jesus. He is alive and they see it. They know it. They feel it. Jesus, too, reminds them and commands them. He speaks to them and tells them, Do not be afraid. Go and take my word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And again, there they will see me. And so the women run to tell the disciples everything. This is what happened on that Easter morning so many years ago. The women heard the good news. They saw the empty tomb. They saw the risen Savior, and they believed. Remember, though, that the women didn't always believe. And there were others that day that walked away seeing the same things that the women saw with an entirely different belief. They, too, saw the tomb. They saw the angel. They felt the earthquake, and they quaked along with it. They walked away with a different message to proclaim. These two reactions couldn't be more opposed to each other. So why the different reaction? They saw the same thing. They're at the same place. They knew the same facts. Jesus was crucified. He was dead. His body was buried here in this tomb. And now his body has disappeared. One group walks away believing. And the other group walks away in unbelief. Now, this isn't the place to have the discussion, why do some people believe and why do others not believe? That question is two different questions and it has to be treated as two different questions. But that's for a different day, a different topic. But in this text, there's something that is given to the women that for whatever reason isn't given to the guards. Take a look at verse 5. See what it says? The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. The angel isn't speaking to the guards. The angel is speaking to the women. Even though the guards are still there, still as stones, he talks to the women. And he gives them a message of comfort, that message that Jesus has been crucified but has risen. He is alive. He proclaims the gospel to these women. And this is a foundation of faith. This is a foundation for the women's faith. This is also the foundation for our faith as well. For you who believe, we must remember first and foremost that faith ultimately is a gift from God that graciously comes to us through the message of the gospel. It doesn't come to us by our own merit or our own worthiness on our part. There's nothing we can do to prepare ourselves for it. 
It doesn't come from our ability to read in between the lines and to interpret the evidence based on facts and to interpret it accurately and fill in the gaps. It's a gift that comes to us from God through the proclamation of his word. And Paul tells us in Romans that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, that word about Christ. In the same book earlier, he writes that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. Peter again says the same thing in his epistle, saying this, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. And this is the word which was preached to you. That same word was proclaimed to the women at the tomb, and through it, God created faith in their hearts. They believe the message, which is why they leave the angel with fear, yes, but also great joy. They know this is true. They've been given faith to believe. You remember how they approached the tomb. They weren't joyful heading to the tomb. They headed to the tomb with spices in hand to anoint a dead body, to finish burying this corpse. They didn't believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Their Lord, their friend, their rabbi was dead. And so they're heading here to anoint his dead body. This is how they're heading there. They're not believing at this moment. Then they hear the gospel, that Christ is risen, and they believe. The facts of the resurrection were evident that day and revealed for all to see. The barrier had been removed. The stone was rolled away. The guards knew the facts. They saw them. They experienced them, they felt them, yet they still walked away in unbelief. Cold, hard facts aren't enough to create faith, nor are they enough to sustain faith. We need more. We need something more substantial. The guards walked away with an entirely different take on the events of that morning. They've seen the empty tomb. They shook as the earth shook. They saw the angel, and they left to tell the chief priests what had happened probably with their tails between their legs. And the priests and the elders talk about it amongst themselves, and then they come up with a plan. They say to tell the guards, they tell the guards to tell everyone that they fell asleep on the job, and the disciples came, rolled away the heavy stone, and stole the body, all while the guards were sleeping right there next to the tomb. For anyone who has ever served time in the armed forces, is that going to happen? to anyone who is standing guard. It's not going to happen. No one would believe this story. No one should believe this story. And yet this is the story that they continue to tell. Mind you, at this time, the disciples are terrified. They are hiding from the rest of the world. Remember what they did when Jesus was crucified. They're not there. Remember what Peter said when he is at a fire warming himself up and this little girl says, surely you're one of his disciples. I assure you, I am not. They flee from Christ. They abandon him. These are the same disciples who are going to go and go and oust a Roman guard and steal a body all while they're sleeping. Let's say for the sake of argument, this happens. I don't know how you roll away a huge stone and set it down with guards sitting and sleeping right next to it without waking them up. 
It's absolute nonsense. It's not logical. But I suppose the facts don't even matter. The people were going to believe what they wanted to believe. It's a narrative that the soldiers were paid off to tell, and that's exactly what they did. And unfortunately, it's still a narrative that many people still believe to this day. The facts of the resurrection were there. The tomb is empty. And no one who holds to the lie has ever produced the body of Jesus. They can't. It's not there. He's not there. He's risen. Christ took it with him. He is alive. And the facts again of the resurrection are there laid bare for all to see. Archaeological evidence has continued to support the authenticity of the Bible. God's word is true. And when these discoveries are made, we too can rejoice and be encouraged that, once, that what we believe is true. But we must remember that these discoveries support our faith. They do not create it, nor are they enough to sustain it. As the women are running to tell the disciples, their faith is affirmed and supported by reality. Jesus again meets them in the flesh. They take hold of his feet. They see him. They touch him. They hear him. It's really him. It's not an image. It's not an hallucination or a dream. It's a physical reality. The Savior who had been crucified, Jesus Christ, has risen from the dead, and he is alive. And he speaks to them once more. They go on their way rejoicing in what has just taken place. Brothers and sisters, the same Jesus comes to us through his word today. No, we don't get to grasp his feet and we don't need to in order to believe. This same God who created faith in these women through the proclamation of the gospel through the angel can do the same thing and does the same thing through the proclamation of his word to us today. And this is why it's so important that we give ourselves to the proclamation and the hearing of the word of God on a regular basis. Because God comes to us through his word. That same message the angels proclaimed to the women at the tomb is proclaimed to us today. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Today, and every Easter, and every Sunday, actually, we gather to remember that our Lord is both crucified and risen, and what that means for us. He has paid the penalty for our sins. He has reconciled us to the Father. He was crucified for us. He was publicly displayed as the atoning sacrifice for your sins, for mine, and for the sins of the whole world. And though this message is historically true, verified by numerous eyewitness accounts recorded for us in Scripture, it profits us nothing until we see that this death and this resurrection was for us, that it was for you. But it is this very message through which God creates faith in our hearts to see that the death of Christ is my death, that the resurrection of Christ is my being raised to new life and yours as well. To believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too look forward to that day. And recognizing this, seeing this, and believing this, all of this comes through faith, which we cannot muster up within ourselves. But it comes to us by the grace of God as a gift through his word. And this is why we believe. This is how we believe. 
We recognize and we understand that we cannot by our own reason and strength, by our own merits, come to God or believe in him. But the Holy Spirit has called us through the gospel. God comes to us through his word and creates faith in our hearts. And this is what sustains us. This is what gives us faith. What happened at the tomb 2,000 years ago was no illusion. The stone really was rolled away. The angel really did appear. And he proclaimed the gospel. Do not be afraid. Jesus, who has been crucified, is not here. For he has risen just as he said. This Easter, we remember the facts of what happened that day. But more importantly, we hear once again the word of God, which is able to save our souls. We're reminded again that Christ is both crucified and risen for you and for me. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We thank you and we praise you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would create and sustain the same faith in our hearts today through your word. Create in us the faith to believe your word and your work. And Lord, we pray that you would also sustain us by your grace as well. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word and for these facts, that we can believe them because they are true. But thank you, Father, for giving us the faith to believe. We pray, Lord, that you would be with all of those who are currently believing the same lie that the Roman soldiers have told, that you are dead and you remain dead. Father, we pray that you would open their eyes, open our eyes to know that you are crucified and risen for us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.